Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Bookworm Podcast. I am super excited to have you guys. I am super excited to have my guest this week. Um, I was trying to schedule some guests in advance, and last week I sent out a tweet and said, hey, first person to reply to this tweet gets my author spot for next week. And my guest today was the first reply. Um, His name is Matt Mason, and he is a freelance writer. He's an author and probably a bookworm. Most authors I know are. So we are going to have a great chat today. We're going to talk books. We're going to talk life. We're going to talk everything in between. So as usual, grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. We're going to get started. Matt, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. It's a very nice Saturday. Um we had some rain last night, which means not normally big news, but it's, it's certainly for down here when uh, it's been a month since we've actually had any. So it, it feels like big news when it wouldn't normally be. Hey, it's England. It's raining. <laughs> I, I completely get that. Yeah, I um, we were talking before we hit record. And, um, you know, yeah. when you said that, um, you know, it hadn't rained in a month. My first thought was um, at the beginning of uh, A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, when the guy goes and, and gets Alan Quartermain and, you know, talks him into coming back to London and, you know, Quartermain agrees and he goes, Fan- you know, fantastic, pack for an English summer. And then it switches over to London and it's like pouring down rain. And I was like, yeah. that would be my idea of a perfect summer. I love the rain, the the noise it makes and just, you know, it makes the air feel so fresh and cool and, you know, all of that. And so it here it gets so humid that even when in the summertime, even when it rains, it's still so hot that it turns muggy and it turns that really humid just you know, you feel like you're inhaling a shower and, you know, but at the same time when it rains, it's like, oh, it's raining. It's so nice. And, you know, it just kind of creates this just kind of emotional and a cleansing, I guess. I don't know. Um, Yeah. I I, I just love rain. Mm, the smell of petrichor. I live down in the southwest, which is the uh, the warmest part of uh, of England. Oh, I shouldn't say England. I live in Cornwall. They um, people who live here often think it's a separate country, and and in some ways it does feel like it. We're actually a subtropical climate, so um, it stays above ten Celsius 
more than half the year round. I, th I think that's the, the technical description. It's subtropical. So a lot of tropical plants grow down here very well. Our, our beachfront, uh, we've got a load of um, succulents. There's a, there's a big, what, what, what are the big succulents that they use to make tequila from? Oh, um, <laughs> agave? Is it agave or something like that? Agave? Anyway. Agave. <laughs> Agave, yeah, agave or agave okay. or whatever they're called, yeah. They're on the seafront and they live quite happily. There are palm trees all along our seafront. So, oh, yeah, right. it, it does get humid. We we usually get plenty of rain in the summer and we get that humidity, although it's not very, very humid. You're not, you're not talking tropical rainforest, but it does leave a, a kind of a nice um, scent about the place, like that lovely petrichor smell of summer rain. There's, yeah, there's just, I don't know, there's just something about rain. Um, we had... You know, whenever I hear that, um, you know, when it hasn't started to rain yet, but you start hearing the, the thunder rumblings and, you know, you start seeing flashes of lightning. I get so happy when I start hearing thunder. I'm like, oh, it's going to rain. Don't care what time of year it is. Just don't care. Um, I, I'm always ready for some rain. But then after about four or five days of it, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for some sunshine, you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's finding that that balance between, mm. you know, sunshine and, and rain. I, I can't do rain all the time, but I can't do sunshine all the time. It's just, you know, as as yeah. weird humans, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. Since we took on our garden plot um, three years ago, we've had a very different attitude to rain. It's like, come on, we need some rain. It hasn't rained in a week. And come on, we need to refill our water butts so we can uh, give our plants plenty of water. Yeah. So before we get um, too far into the weather talk, because um, <laughs> trust, I, I could probably talk about rain and my love for rain <laughs> the entire hour. Um, but very, very easily. But um, that is not, <clears throat> that is not the whole reason we're here. Um, I do not run a meteorological uh, podcast. <laughs> I run a bookish podcast. So um, real quick, before we get too far into the episode, can you um, just kind of introduce yourself to people? Um, you know, let us know like when you started writing, why you started writing, and something that inspires you. Mm. Well, hello, I'm Matt. Uh, I'm in my late 40s, living in southwest England. Um, I started writing, I, I, if I asked to ask my mother, I think, I, I think she'd say since I was old enough to hold a pen, probably since I was able to string sentences together. I've always had uh, a vivid imagination. And I think certainly in my very, very early days of schooling, um I, I was writing a lot writing short stories very very short stories once upon a time kind of thing what what inspires me everything the world around me um even the most mundane things can often inspire me i can look at something on the street i might see a plant growing up through uh, uh between two paving slabs and that will start setting the brain off just like okay, what sort of idea story can I have? And I think it was something like that that set me off for a, a very short piece of flash fiction I wrote maybe 10 years ago about plants fighting back against humanity and overgrowing, you know, like a, an ecological disaster. And yeah, it's just like tiny little things like that that can often give me some really big ideas. I love that. Um, so your um, your title says uh, freelance writer. That's so right. is that um, 
because you're an author or do you actually do like freelance content for for clients and, and things like that? Uh, I do freelance content for uh, for clients and I've been doing it now for 10 years, I think 10 years last month. So I'm, I'm a decade in. I, I started off writing blog posts for a lot of businesses and back at uh, back at the beginning I was doing business to business so um, blogging was a very big thing for businesses back then um, and then I moved on to uh, charities I did some stuff for charities I set up a, a charity website for a guy who was setting one up in on in honor of his mother who'd recently passed away then I started doing uh, product descriptions so and I, I still do some of that now but mostly what I do is blogging in some in education and some in recruitment um although that's that's not as much as it was a few years ago that you're talking six or seven years ago I was mostly doing recruitment and education though I've mainly moved away from that now but you know times change and I've had to change a lot um I do I do videos I do short videos now banners for authors but still what what pays the bills is is business blogging and in education and recruitment so um, I, I'm going to um, I'm going to get just a, a smidge of um, free advice here, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but not too much because um, <laughs> I, I do, you know, I do understand that that's your job. Um, but I write um, or I create book inspired candles. Um, Mm-hmm. I have three, I have three different, um, series of candles. I have my book inspired candles. I have, uh, genre related candles. Um, it smells like mythology or smells like mm-hmm. horror. Um, and then I have my writers series, which is writers paradise, writers getaway, um, writers nook, you know, those, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. What, would your number one piece of advice be to someone like me in creating a product description? It's funny you say that because one of my clients, my one of my semi-regular clients, she comes to me like every six months or so, actually sells candles. Although she does like seasonal, um, she'll come to me. So I'm, I'm releasing the Christmas range. She will send me a list of scents and say, what would you create from that? And the one piece of advice I would say is, go for feelings what kind of feelings would you want your candle to inspire i mean are you looking at coziness are you looking at inspiration because those are two very different styles that you'd be writing in if i did a product description you know are you wanting to 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 sum up an idea of somebody sitting in a log cabin while they scribble notes for their for their latest book or whether they're you know they're going away on on a personal break or are they or are you targeting a writer and thinking okay i've got an idea for a book and i'm just going to knuckle down and write it um so you might want something with a bit more energetic language so yeah you, you want to go for the, the emotions each time something like that okay okay thank you um no i i appreciate that very much um and that um and i i did kind of have an ulterior motive for that but um about halfway through your talking i realized that you know, things like that and and advice like that can actually go for authors as well um, Mm. when writing the blurb and when writing the descriptions um, for their books as well. So uh, authors, 
listen up, because um, that really is a very good piece of advice. Um, I, when I write, you know, book reviews and when I write, you know, my blog posts and, and things like that, I do go for that, that type of uh, communication, that type of emotional, um, because when I'm reading a book, especially when I'm reading a book for review, um, that's what I pay attention to the most is how the book made me feel the emotions that the book, you know, evoked, um, and the, you know, the various characters that made me hate them viscerally and wanted to see them die. Um, and so for book inspired candles, that's, you know, that is perfect piece of advice. Um, and I will definitely be, um, looking into that. Um, and who knows, I may come to you and <laughs> you know, write my product descriptions at some point. Um, but yeah, my, my budget is not going to let me do that just yet, but, oh, um, I, I may do that eventually when I have, you know, 150 candles in, in my candle line. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's, that is a, a very good piece of advice. Um, so what, what have you written lately that you want to talk about? Wow, I I have just finished the first draft on the third book in a series that I've got coming out. Um, this is a series. This is cozy crime, supernatural fantasy. So I I take all these genres and I smash them together. For me, there are no limits to any genre boundary, and that's what I like. That's what I like writing juxtapositions between um, you know between genres that might not ordinarily go together so the third book is called studio salmon weird the first one was just called salmon weird a cornish crime comedy caper the second one was called a salmon weird slaying slaying as in like the christmas sleigh santa claus's sleigh so s-l-e-i-g-h-i-n-g that was that was a christmas theme mystery and the third one's called studio salmon weird it's it's the same setting but there are three film crews in this tiny little village based on real tv shows and films and so it's part satire it's a murder mystery there's a lot of humor and there remains so yeah it's, it's fantasy fantasy cozy crime but in this particular one there's a lot more satire okay um well i okay so i tried looking you up on Amazon and your book did not pop up. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, I looked up Matt Mason. Oh, MG Mason. Sorry, my, my pen Mason. name is MG Mason. So, oh, salmon sorry. weird, one word. Salmon like the fish, weird as in peculiar. Um, wow, okay. I'll have to have you send me links because that did, yep. that did I will, not I will, I will. pop up. Um, yeah, that happens to me on, on Amazon every once in a while, especially for, um, non-American authors for some reason they have trouble. Um, so yeah, if you'll get me links to those, I, salmon weird. Okay. Like the fish salmon. Gotcha. Salmon. There we go. Found them. Okay. I will be sure I will be sure to get uh, links put up for those um, in the show notes for everybody 
I am super sorry that you just heard that music, uh, dear listeners. Um, <laughs> my computer decided it needed to notify me of something right then and there. Uh, so normally I have my volume uh, turned down when I'm using my computer. Can't do that today since I am recording. So um, I am very sorry that that popped up, but that's okay. Moving on. Um, what is, I know you said that um, one of your favorite things about writing is um, being able to take the, the various genres that might not fit together. Um, what is your, your favorite type of book, uh, to read? I'm, I'm a horror fan. I think even though I've written this, this low fantasy cozy crime, I'm, I'm a horror writer at heart and I'm a horror reader at heart. And I love all the various subgenres of horror. Um, give me them all. Also, aside from slashes, I'm not really a fan. Um, but I, I tend to stick to several genres horror is my favorite but i also sometimes dip into hard sci-fi um i like low fantasy so something like rivers of london um something like neil gaiman's um neverwhere uh, american gods those kind of things i i don't i'm not a big fan so much of high fantasy i, I like the fantasy interacting with the here and now so uh, urban fantasy low fantasy and a lot of historical fiction as well I've read some historical fiction series, which I've really loved. Uh, one of my favourites, in fact, one of the biggest inspirations for Sam and Weird is uh, a writer called Lindsay Davis. Uh, she's a British writer who writes um, comedy mysteries set during the Roman Empire. So that, that was a huge inspiration to Sam and Weird. And the books are very funny. Each book is about a very different aspect of Roman life. Um, so you're learning about Roman society at the same time as a mystery unraveling, but you're also, there's also a laugh in every chapter as well because it's so funny. So <laughs> coming back to the original point, I'm, I'm a horror fan. Horror, horror is my, my first love. Um, okay. And you, um, you said that, um, you like, um, the occasional hard sci-fi. Mm -hmm. um have you read a book um called uh, the twin paradox let me see if i can get an author for you i cannot remember for the life of me what the author's name is charles walk walker uh, no uh, no i've not heard of that one okay it's um as i was reading it um, it was a NetGalley book, I believe, um, I got a while back. And it's, it kind of gave me Michael Crichton vibes. Oh, right. Not, um, like, the writing style was not the same at all. I mean, they're, you're, they're obviously very different authors. Um, but the, um, the vibe that I got from the Twin Paradox um, was very similar to Michael Crichton's style of let's find the most innocuous uh, scientific principle, ask myself, okay, what happens if it all goes to hell and then write a story about it. And mm. that is um, very similar to what Charles Walker did in the twin paradox. 
um, was he just kind of asked himself that same question. Very, very, very good book. Um, I had really hard time putting it down. Um, I don't read a whole lot of hard sci-fi anymore. Um, I, I'm a high fantasy uh, fan, a big fantasy fan. Um, but, you know, when I come across a book like that one, really hard for me to say no. Um, so if you, um, if you enjoy hard sci-fi, I would definitely mm. recommend that one. Uh, as for the, the horror nerd inside you, um, my friend Kat Valour, uh, I had her on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. She has started writing um, book reviews uh, for my website. I've started hosting uh, book reviews from her. Great. And she's a horror fan. So she, so she has reviewed uh, quite a few um, horror books um, on my blog. Um, so I, um, I would definitely recommend if you love horror, she goes for the, the visceral horror. Um, there, right. I wouldn't say necessarily that they're like slasher type horror. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you said you don't enjoy those. Um, but she goes for the, um, the unsettling type of mm. type of horror. So, um, if you're interested, I've got, I think six, six or seven uh, book reviews from her um, up mm. on um, up on my blog. If you want to check those out, she doesn't do synopses um, of her books um, when she reviews them um, because she prefers to go in blind. Like she'll, um, she just, I mean, she doesn't want to know anything about a book. She's just like, someone tells me to read it. Okay, I'll read it. Okay. And so she doesn't write synopses, uh, but she does give um, a very thorough opinion uh, of her, um, of the book. And um, she does give um, a very thorough idea of this is who this book is for. This is why you should read it. That that kind of thing. So um, definitely check those out and um, see what she's got to say because she's great. She loves um, she loves her horror. So <laughs> um, she's she's reviewed a couple um, fantasy um, a couple fantasy books, but most most of what she does is is horror. So great. Um, and so yeah. Um, I, I hope you and I hope you enjoy um, her her love of horror as well. Um, and uh, I hope you come back and tell me I love her choices. Um, that's great. You know, my my blogging heart would love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to have a look at the end. Yeah. So, what have you been reading lately? Um, as it's Pride Month, I've decided I'm going to read some indie lgbt books uh i recently finished listening to um lou willingham's book uh not quite out um it's not usually the sort of thing that i would read because i'm i'm not into books that are really about interpersonal relationships but this this was quite interesting it was a, it was a university student um 
not really admitting to himself that he's bi who ends up falling in love with a guy and basically as, as, as they navigate life um they, they they've got various traumas to navigate i'm also reading i, I believe you've had gabe hargraves on yeah yeah gabe's Gabe Gabe one of my best friends i love him so much yeah yeah gabe's a really good friend and i'm currently reading the first in in his uh orchid and the lion oh that makes my heart so happy (laughs) Uh, yeah i'm i'm currently reading that so i think i'm about quarter maybe a third of the way through and it's it's so good oh it's It's... so good it took me i so i and i this is one of those subjects honestly you're gonna have to shut me up about it i could sit and just (laughs) gush about this book for so long i um i don't read erotic very much no me um i i've read a lot more recently just because i've been doing the kobo um summer reading challenge Mm -hmm. and pretty much all i've found on kobo so far has been erotic romance Mm -hmm. um but i because i don't read erotic very often i wanted to support gabe of course and so i had bought his book when um when it was on sale and um you know kept promising and kept promising um that i would get to it and i'm like you know and finally it had reached you know that that point of it's not that i don't want to read it because it's erotica it's that i i'm afraid i won't like it and Mm. you know at that point gay was a really good friend of mine i consider him one of my best friends and you know i was scared i wasn't gonna like it and i Mm. just absolutely did not want to hate his book i i didn't Mm. want to do that and so he finally one day he gave me permission to skip the naughty bits and you know because that was the the big thing that was holding me up was was those particular scenes and so he gave me permission to skip the naughty bits and i'm like okay okay, I have permission to, to skip the, you know, and so I started reading and I think I was about halfway through and, um, we have a discord server that, um, we've used in the past to record podcasts and stuff. And, um, now it's just kind of our, you know, daily communication kind of thing. But Mm. I got on there and I was like, okay, I'm halfway through the book and it's been like a day. I can't put this freaking book down. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, he, of course, was was so happy because his just absolute favorite thing in the world is that people love his books. I mean, that's just I mean, that's what gets him up in the morning and, you know, is just finding those people that love his books. And so, of course, that just made his heart so happy. Mm -hmm. And when I when I told him that, you know, I was like. I don't even have to skip the naughty bits. <laughs> and he was like, he goes, okay, if that is not a stamp of approval, I don't know what is. <laughs> and so now I'm like, I tell people all the time, I'm like, whether you like erotic romance, whether you don't like erotic romance, it does not matter. These characters, this book, this series is so good. Mm. that you honestly 
you forget you're reading erotic romance. Like, mm. honestly, it's just, uh, it's, I I could seriously sit here and gush about this. Yeah, book. yeah. Well, this is it. It's not just erotica and romance. I mean, I, I love the world building, yes. even from the start. I mean, I think, I think there's a sex scene in chapter one. And then suddenly it's all into, the, you know, the oh, no spoilers, of course, but oh, no. the situation going on where yeah. they are and the situation going on on Earth and they're, they're negotiating the social changes and all the political problems they're dealing with. And I'm and I'm really into it. I'm thinking, oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I um, it was funny because we um, we actually had um a discussion because when I finished the book, I, you know, I told him, I was like, okay, straight up point blank. I don't think this is erotica Mm. because, you know, when you tell somebody that a book is erotica, the, the first thing that person is likely to think is, okay, the story revolves around Mm. the sex. And you know, so the the sex is a, a huge part of the story. That is not what the orchid and the lion and the lion and the dahlia, that is not what they are. It's I agree. those those parts, because they are sex workers, those scenes are semi um, important to the story. Um, some of them are highly gratuitous. But the story does not revolve around those mm. parts um, like agree, it would yeah. in, in straight up erotica. So um, it's, you know, when I call it erotic romance, that's not even all that it is. Mm. It's, you know, there's so there's intrigue. There's, you know, science fiction. It's set in a dystopian future. It's, you know set on a space station so you have the the sci-fi um aspect to it as well so it's um but yeah there i i could seriously i you're gonna have to shut me up because <laughs> i can sit here and gush about these books um for the entirety yeah. of um the rest of the podcast um <laughs> but yeah when i got to read um the lion and the dahlia i um i actually got to proofread uh, book two oh, wow. and so i got to read it you know before the majority of um the world and um you know i was just like it i was in awe of mm-hmm. just the the writing style and the the storyline and how people can come up with these books, I will never understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't get it. It's it's very mixed genre. I mean, I I write mixed genre, so I I can really appreciate when genres are mashed together that well. And he, he's done a really really great job. My job, we we tend to gush about each other's books quite a lot. I, fun enough, I got a message from Gabe earlier on. Uh, he's currently proofreading Salmon Weird, the the, the first book. And and I and I know I know Gabe is in love with Eli. He, he doesn't need to keep telling me, but he does. I do love the character Eli in there. And um, yeah, it's yeah, it's. I, I think 
being mixed drummer writers, both of us, we we tend to appreciate each other's work a bit more when when stuff is really intertwined that well. And yeah, Gabe has definitely done a very very good job, and 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 and, and, and I hope, certainly hope he he feels the same way about mine. I hope. So. Yeah, I I will be um, checking out your books at some point um, as well because I do. That's one of my favorite parts about the the indie author community is mm-hmm. their their ability to take genres and just mesh them together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get in the you know in the mainstream and traditional publishing world you get a lot of well if it's you know if you're gonna market it as romance then it needs to be romance if you're gonna market as sci-fi then it needs to be sci-fi and no no it doesn't it can be whatever the heck you want it to be and you know just write a story that people want to read it doesn't, you know, you don't have to go to, you know, the mainstream world and only find romance. I mean, you can find a, a romance, a romantic, cozy thriller. You, sh- you know, you should be able to find those things. And, yes. you know, but you just, you don't find that so much in the mainstream world because they don't consider those things to be marketable. Mm. That really bothers me. It it just yes. it does. Um, you know. Yeah. This is why um my other main title I've not really spoken about yet is called Forbita's Children. It's a science fiction psychological horror set during the Roman Empire. Um I didn't I so even... need to read that. i didn't even bother seeking representation for that because no spoilers again because of the ending i i would actually put a lot of money on if i'd sent that to an agent and they were considering it they would say i'm sorry change this ending i i would actually put all the money i have on getting that kind of response from an agent because it's so different from the first what you've actually come to expect from the story until that point to have this curveball and every beta reader that i sent it to said my jaw dropped i did not expect that thing that happened in part four to happen when it happened i love it keep it but and then i thought am i going to self-publish this or shall i send it to an agent and i thought no, I, I I was just so convinced that an agent wouldn't have liked that ending. And I just thought, no, I'm going to self-publish it, put it out there and see what people think. The the beta feedback is positive. So I'm just going to run with it and see what happens. Yeah, some, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I love that self-publishing has become such a thing, um, you know, because with you being, you know, late 40s, with me being early 40s, you know, it's likely that we grew up in the era of if it was not traditional published, traditionally published, and if it was not in the library or in the bookstore, the the chances of you ever getting to read it were slim to none. Yes. And... You know, so I, you know, I grew up with authors like Danielle Steele and Victoria Holt and Michael Crichton. Mm -hmm. Um, I, 
I may be the picky bookworm. I am not picky necessarily about genres um, once or authors. Once I find an author that I really like, um, I tend to be very loyal, very faithful um, to those authors. And um, needless to say, in the indie community, I'm I'm loyal to a lot of authors. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my Kindle is my my Kindle's about to explode. I'm fairly sure. So. Um, <laughs> But, you know, when I was a kid, it was, you know, these these authors that they worked hard to get traditionally published and they worked hard to find a spot with the big five and, you know, or even, um, you know, smaller, uh, you know, Christian Christian publishers, you know, but they were traditionally published and. You know, so I grew up with, you know, well, if it's romance, it should be romance. If it's thriller, yes. it should be thriller. But then, you know, I get introduced to the indie community as an adult, you know, four, four years ago. And, you know, all of a sudden, my world is upside down. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm finding, you know, genre blending. And, you know, I... I'm getting introduced to all of these books and all of these genres and all of these stories that I wouldn't have known they existed as a kid. Yes, absolutely. I, I feel the same way. I joined the the, the writing community. Um, I, I took a, a bit longer to get onto Twitter, but certainly on Instagram and on Facebook. When I finally joined Twitter, I started buying indie books from about 2018 and then they were piling up and piling up so I decided at the beginning of this year right this year I'm going to read mostly indie and I've just every book I've read I've just been completely blown away by the, the imagination not not just the um the, the blended uh, blended genre books but even just the stuff that would have been would have been easily marketable as traditional page turn I'm sitting there up I've I've been on a, um, a a book reading slump for about two years. I think I read thirteen books last year or so, which is one of my lowest for many many years. When I'm used to getting through about forty or fifty, and I think I've already surpassed that. I'm already up to thirteen. It's early June, and I flew through. Uh, do you know Catherine Shaw? The Catherine Shaw um, Gloria. No, I know the name. I think I don't no. know that I've read anything by her yet. But okay, well, I I read her book in early January, um, coming off the back of a reading slump, and I think I read it in three days, and I was just, and I, I was it was like I was back to my old self. I was I was going and making myself a cup of coffee, and I was picking up my Kindle. Okay, I've got five minutes. I'm going to dive back into this book. <laughs> I'm wandering around the flat, tidying up. You know, I'm, I'm sweeping the floor, and I've got a Kindle in one hand, broom in the other and uh, oh, I've got, I'm going to go upstairs take the laundry up and I'm kind of as I'm hanging the laundry up <laughs> you know peering over reading my Kindle oh that's it, that's great. what I was yeah that's what I was doing for um Orchid and the Lion I was you know my my husband and I would be you know sitting watching TV and um you know I'd have my Kindle out reading mm. and you know he would laugh at something that happened on the TV and I'd look up and be like what what happened? 
and he'd have to and he'd have to rewind uh, so that I could see the funny thing that just happened on the TV and I'd watch it and then I'd go back to reading mm. and you know I I think I flew through that book in like two days mm. so um you know I when you find those books that just hit you in the soul mm. that you know you you cannot put down and you know I I read uh, one book. Uh, I don't. It was a NetGalley book. I don't know that um, it might be mainstream. I get. Um, I find a lot of mainstream books through NetGalley, um, mm -hmm. but her the author's name is Darcy Coates, and the name of the book is Dead of Winter. And um, I, you know, my day job. I work. Uh, Monday through Friday, eight to five, and I get an hour for lunch. And so I will, um, I will typically bring my lunch with me or I will order food. Um, because, you know, I'm like, well, I don't want to go somewhere. Cause if I go somewhere, that's like half my lunch hour gone. And then yeah. I don't have very much time to read. And, you know, because my lunch hour, that's like my time in the middle of the day to get my Kindle out and, you know, just, you know, escape to another world for a little while. Mm. And so I was reading Dead of Winter and I will be reviewing this book next week uh, on my blog. So Great, keep that in mind. Um, wonderful listeners. Uh, you will get a full review from me um, this week. But I you know, I was reading it and I was flying through it and my lunch ended right at like the climax of the book. And, you know, that, that part in, in a story where things are starting to come together, you're starting to get mm. answers. Um, and, you know, the the main character, you know, may or may not be in life threatening danger, you know, those those mm. kinds yes. of those kinds of spots. And my lunch ended right when I got to a to a scene like oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was so I, <laughs> I I wanted so badly. Now I did not because I'm a good employee um, and I, I know that I have bosses from my job that probably listen to this podcast. So I would just like to state for the record, I did not spend the afternoon reading, <laughs> but I really, really, really wanted to um, because it, you know, and I, I got back from lunch and um, I share uh, my space with, uh, with one other person and I think I looked at her and I was like, I hate when my lunch ends right when something exciting is about to happen. And she's a bookworm too. And so, you know, I recommended a, a couple of um, indie books to her and she was just like, oh, I know I hate that. And I'm like, I want so badly to just like sit here and just like sneak my Kindle <laughs> like under my desk or something so that I can figure out what happens next. Um, but you know, it's, you know, indies, indie books are so good at that. When you find that, that book that, you know, just grabs you 
won't let go. Um, and, you know, because, you know, one of the things that I, I've seen so many times um, stated on Twitter is indie authors tend to write the kind of stories they would want to read. Yes. And so that's to that to me is what makes them so marketable. Yeah, there's so many out there and it's hard to get visibility for a self-published author and for an indie and small press author. But that's, you know, that's what creates fans. Yes. When when readers find those books because, you know, readers, we want to see something of ourselves between the pages. Mhm. You know, regardless of who you are, regardless of your identity, regardless of your skin color, regardless of any of that, that's readers want to see that they want mm. to see a little bit of themselves between those pages. Yes. Indie authors have figured that out. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'd agree with that sentiment. Definitely. I mean, di- I mean diversity is, you know, it's, it's a big word in, in trad, but I think I think indies have got it. I think we, we were oh, there way, base. way ahead of the game. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Trad could um, for sure take a lesson because, um, yeah. yeah, you can you can claim diversity all you want because you published two black authors over the past six months. <laughs> Good for freaking you. How about finding a Chinese author or how about finding a queer author or how about finding a trans author? You know, yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. Exactly. Good good for you. I'm, I'm really glad that you're representing people of color. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all. Please. No, I'm not saying that, but you know, if you're going to call yourself diverse, actually be diverse. Yes. You know, diversity, and I've talked about this with, um, you know, other authors as well. Diversity, that's, I mean, it's a big word and it means a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it encompasses a lot too. Yes, and, you know, so if you're going to call yourself diverse or for lack of a better word, woke, um, <laughs> that drives me crazy too, but. <laughs> Um, you know, if you're going, if you're going to say that you're these things, back it up. You need to prove it. Yes. You know, and it's filmmakers drive me absolutely insane Mm. (laughs) about, about that whole thing. Um, and you know, because they will, you know, and this is not an example that I have seen, um, but it's. Okay, well, you know, there's this book over here that we want to make it into a movie. And it's the main character is a white cis straight woman. But we want to be diverse. So we're going to make her a a black lesbian. We're going to make her mm-hmm. a, a black a black, you know, gay woman. Um okay. How about you find a book with a main character who's a yes. black gay woman and make mm. a movie from from that book. Don't don't take this book over here and call yourself diverse because you're changing characters. Mm. Yes. Drives me insane. That is like 
probably my biggest pet peeve mm, about yeah. about taking books and making them into movies is the you know well we're we're gonna be diverse so we're gonna you know change the whole identity of this character well how about you just find a, a mm. character with those traits and and use that yes um i i feel the same about um one thing that another soapbox subject so sorry but um the uh we have a a tv show here you might have seen it i don't know but we have a tv show here called hawaii 50 um and the we had like the original was back in like the 60s 60s, 60s, yeah 60s i think and they remade it um Mm -hmm. back a few years ago the main character alex o'laughlin or the main actor main character um the actor who plays him his name is alex o'laughlin and he's australian Mm -hmm. okay so how about instead of taking a non-American author or non-American actor, forcing him to have an American accent, you could do one of two things. You could either adjust the script a little bit Mm -hmm. to account for the fact that your main character has an Australian accent, or you find an American actor. Yes, yes, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. I mean, the, the last two Spider Mans have been British, and they've put on American accents as well. So <laughs> I, and that bugs me to <laughs> bugs me to no end. Like it, it honestly does. It seriously does because it's, you know, it, it's forcing people into a pigeonhole mm. that they shouldn't have to be in. Because mm. you know, Tom Holland. He's been Spider-Man. He's been an American New York kid for, mm. you know, three, four, <laughs> five movies. What's going to happen when he's in a movie where he wants to use his his lovely British accent? Mm. Oh, well, I'm sorry. You sound too British. Sorry. Can you do yeah, can you do the Peter Parker voice again? <laughs> yeah, can you do yeah. you know, And you know, I've heard um Steve, uh, Steve, um, uh, McAvoy, James McAvoy, Mm -hmm. um, has, he has said in interviews that when he's done, um, movies, they've come and told him, you know, yeah, your Scottish accent's great. Can you sound a little bit less Scottish? Yes. He shouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand. Like real thick Scottish accents are really hard for our American ears to understand, we can get used to it. Mm. We we can you know we can learn. Yeah. We can read subtitles. Yeah. It's totally the more you're subject to it, the more you, the more you'll get used to it. I I first saw James McAvoy in Children of Dune, and this this was over twenty years ago now, and I was so surprised when I saw him in something a few years later and heard him speak in the Scottish accent because he did a very neutral English accent playing. Um, uh, he would eventually become the the God Emperor, and I and I was quite surprised. And and it's the same again in his dark materials. He's playing, um, you know, it, again he's playing it very very English because obviously the films uh, the the series sorry is, is set in Oxford. Yeah. 
but but yeah you're, you're absolutely right he's i've seen him very few few things that he's actually doing his scottish voice and the only one that comes to mind immediately is the last king of scotland which was about Idi Amin, which also had um that, that might have actually been the movie that he was in where they told him he sounded too scottish Oh wow! <laughs> Mad Forest Whitaker in, in was it Forest Whitaker who played Idi Amin? I think oh, I, I think it's Forest Whitaker. <laughs> anyway, no, I have no idea. Um, I I think I've seen um, James McAvoy in. He's either been British or he's been American, um, in everything I've seen him in. Um, so I, but I've seen him in like interviews and stuff where I've gotten to hear his, you mm. know, just absolutely beautiful um, Scottish accent. Um, Michael Michael Fassbender, his um, beautiful mm. Irish accent. For the longest time, I didn't know Colin Farrell was Irish. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, I saw him and he was uh, Bullseye in Daredevil with uh, mm, Ben Affleck, right. and I remember. Um, finding out finding out later that that was Colin Farrell because I he was bald mm. I had no clue that it was him <laughs> and thinking oh he does a really great Irish accent then I find out later that he's from <laughs> Dublin and I'm like those just those jerks they <laughs> everything he's in he's American that just uh just it drives mm. me so uh, I will sit on my soapbox for days um and talk about how irritating that is you know yeah. just you know what find a way got me thinking it it generally doesn't happen here i remember every time i see someone on social media recommending an american to play doctor in doctor who or james bond there is absolute fury we we absolutely hate the idea of, of an american playing arguably our most two iconic roles in in television and film it just wouldn't happen it should um yeah. I mean, it I I feel, you know, like you know, things like, you know, like an American TV show that has a British character. Um the mm. first one that comes to mind is James Marsters um as Spike yes. in um Buffy or Wesley um in Buffy as well. You know, they're both American. Mm. They do fantastic. British accents, but it's an American TV show. Mm. Um, you know, but I, you know, I still think that it probably, if you're going to have a British character, you maybe should go and mm. see if you can find a British actor mm. um, to play the British character. Just my thought. Um, but it's, you know, it just, it, forces people into these pigeonholes um that and it just it it does i i can sit and rant about this for days it drives <laughs> me up the wall um it you know i i'm very much a let people who they're gonna let people be who they're gonna be yes and you know i just i feel too much like you you're forcing someone to be who they're not by by yeah. doing that and that just it oh, drives me drives me up the wall. Yeah, I mean, my 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 perspective. Is, I, I agree with the same conclusion, but my my perspective is is slightly different in that. Why do we need to keep remaking the same stories? Yeah. 
That too. And changing <laughs> and you know remaking the same well remaking the same stories but changing like the identity of the main character when we've like you said we've got all these wonderful stories certainly in the indie writing community people writing yeah. from from authenticity i'd rather we looked okay let's tell something new if yeah. we want to tell trans stories let's go and look at some of the fantastic trans writers we've got in the indie if we want proper gay and lesbian by representation let's go and look at some actual writers rather than taking this iconic character who's been straight for 50 years and making them by for no reason it, yeah, it other, does kind other of than diversity yeah it's it's it feels inauthentic i mean it's great to have more diversity but you know they're not doing it for the right reasons they're not doing it for the right it's reasons about, i feel yeah it's about it's not about actually representing those populations it's about look at how diverse we are yes you know, look, look at how woke we are look at you know it's you know all about uplifting their image rather yes. than uplifting the populations that they are choosing to represent and mm. you know i um i think that going back to orchid and the lion for just a second that would make such a fantastic tv show mm, it would. absolutely fantastic tv show showtime i hope you're listening because you need to pick up this book <laughs> and you need to make it into a tv show you just do um and i i would watch it i would yes i would subscribe to showtime um in a heartbeat if i knew that they were taking orchid and the lion and making making mm. a tv show but on the on the that same vein, you know for a fact that if Showtime came and picked up Gabe's book to turn it into a TV show and they tried to start changing characters, he would have a cow, an yeah. absolute cow. Um, there would be absolutely no way um, that they would be able to come in and start changing characters. There, mm. there would be absolutely no way. But yeah, I would subscribe in a heartbeat if I knew that that was going to be a TV show on Showtime. In a heartbeat. Yes. So, um, okay, now that we have sat here and, and ranted <laughs> about, <laughs> about representation, the hour has completely flown wow. <laughs> by. It has. Uh, we are almost through. Um but I do not want to leave without giving people a chance to come follow you and come find and hang out with you online. So where can people do that? Well, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. I'm also on Spoutable, um, although I don't visit there at the moment because there's not a huge writing community. Uh, handle is the same everywhere. Facebook as well, MG Mason Books. So I'm on Instagram. You'll find me mostly there. Twitter um i visit facebook maybe a couple of times a week but come follow me and and spoutable i don't think i've missed any Do but you have a my website? i have a website that's also mgmasonbooks.co.uk that's okay. where you'll find all my book stuff i've also got a separate freelance website if anybody wants to hire me to do blogs or videos or book banners um that's mgmason creative so very very easy to remember mgmasoncreative.com my book site is mgmasonbooks.co.uk okay um and i will make sure um can you um 
send me links to to all of those uh, so that I can make sure to get them in the um, show notes for everybody. And um, any any last words, any last advice, any any last. No, just just go and buy my books. If you if you like <laughs> if you like books that smash genres together, if you like going in with no expectations, if you like being surprised, if you like having expectations subverted on what you're going to get from horror, certainly from from mystery and cozy crime, then please check out my books because. I I really do have no limits. I don't say I I will never write a book and say I can't put this in because it's the wrong genre. I will just throw it in quite happily and I will give it a good stir and see what comes out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I I love um, genre blending. Um, so I will be um, for sure uh, checking out your books as soon as I get some more book money. Um, but that um, is not currently at the moment, um, but it will be soon. Um, so I um, hopefully, hey, maybe I'll come up with a candle for your book. So we'll see. Uh, I'll call it <laughs> Salmon Weird. That'll be such a fun candle name, I think. So, well, thank you, Matt, for coming and chatting mm-hmm. with me today. It was an absolute blast. I cannot believe how fast that hour flew by. It has gone. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And Thank I you. will see you on Twitter. Yes, see you then. Thank you very much for having me. It's been Thank a pleasure. You. Thank you. Bye bye.